With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome, welcome, my friends, to PMP Basics. Today, we're going to take a look at five steps to getting certified as a project management professional. Step one, eligibility. Make sure you are eligible to take the PMP exam. What does the eligibility criteria look like? Let's take a look. In order to take the exam, you should fall into one of these categories. First one, you must have a high school diploma and at least five years managing projects and 35 hours of formal education in project management. The second category is a bachelor's degree, three years of project management experience and 35 hours of formal education, except of course you have a CAPM. Last category is a bachelor's or postgraduate degree from a GAC accredited program, minimum of two years, non-overlapping professional project management experience and 35 contact hours, just like the others. So now you know the criteria, let's talk about step two. Step two is go or no go. Now, while you decide the benefits of a PMP, I'll tell you straight up, for me, the benefits were huge. I got introduced to a massive network of professionals. And secondly, I was able to apply to a ton of jobs that required the PMP designation. There was actually a company I had been tracking down for a long time and they didn't give me the time of day until I got certified as a PMP and then I broke into that company. The bottom line is my salary went up 300% because of this certification at the time when I got certified back in 05 and the exam is still as valuable to those who become certified as ever. Number three, pre-study activities, sign up, be a member of the PMI and commence your application. I call it the commitment step because this is where you commit and this is where you begin to pay a little bit of money towards your goal. And it's only about 139 to become a member. Once you become a member, you get perks like lower exam fees, the PMBOK guide you can download and all the other standards. It's pretty awesome. Number four, the PMP Masterclass. Go on down to praision.com. That's P-R-A-I-Z-I-O-N.com. Take a look at the PMP Masterclass we have coming up next. Join us. Let's put you on your merry way to getting certified. You're going to learn a ton about Agile and Hybrid as well. And step five, schedule, take, and pass the exam. Someone says, but Phil, this exam, what is it all about? 180 multiple choice questions, 230 minutes to answer them, only 175 count. There are five pretest questions. Now, bear in mind, when we say 180 questions, they are not all four options, choose one. You could have four options, choose two. Four options, choose all that apply. The score is calculated based on 175 items. The score is currently undisclosed. 
and the questions are very situational. PMI also evaluates proficiency levels in each domain for the exam. There are three domains for the exam, namely people, process, and business. But as you take this exam, just remember, the questions are sliced into either agile and hybrid or predictive. So there's quite a lot to remember. Just getting your arms around what this exam entails requires a little bit of concentration in and of itself. So what would I recommend that you know spending valuable time, five minutes, to get your arms around the major concepts for the exam? To get your arms around the major concepts, let's talk about a device that I invented to help those studying for the exam. I call it the Process Group Pentagon. And here, we're going to explore what project management is. Project management is the application of knowledge, skills, tools, and techniques to project activities to get to the project goal. That could be a deliverable that offers value. It could be a service or a result that offers some benefit to the customer. So when we take a look at projects, we need to initiate them. In other words, authorize the project, commit to doing the project, and then we need to plan how to get the project done. When we plan how to get the project done, the next step is to execute the plan. And while you're executing the plan, you wanna be monitoring and controlling the project. And ultimately, you're gonna have inspect and adapt, inspect and adapt at different stages. You will ultimately get to closing the project when you successfully get the deliverable done. We call these five items process groups initiating, planning, executing, monitoring and controlling and closing. Now, within these process groups, there's another variable that you need to be aware of. We call this knowledge areas. And every process group has its share of processes from knowledge areas. So processes that we use in these process groups, we could label them by the area of knowledge they best fit. So let's take a look at these 10 knowledge areas. The 10 knowledge areas are one, integration, keep the project moving along in one cohesive whole, two, scope, scope out what needs to be done and make sure you are managing just that. Three, schedule, make sure you have a timeline and you know when to deliver whatever you're working on. Four, cost. Cost out all of those schedule items and know how much they cost. Understand the budget, manage the budget. Five, quality. Quality is fitness for use, conformance to requirements and customer satisfaction. Make sure you deliver a quality product. Six, resources. Resources refers to human, equipment, materials, supplies, and facilities. Make sure you get your arms around the resources needed for the project and then effectively lead the team and control those physical resources. Number seven, communication. Decide what to communicate, why and when, and then communicate and improve the communications. Procurement, making or buying is the question. If you are making something without any external purchases, you don't need procurement, but if you need to purchase something from outside the firm, then you do need procurement. 
you need to decide upon the contract type, you need to engage in some bidding processes with those vendors, maybe have a bidder conference to answer their questions and select ultimately a seller or sellers, award a contract, manage the contract. Lastly, we have stakeholder. Stakeholder management is all about identifying those people that the project could affect and also identifying the people that could affect the project. Now, when you take a look at these nine, there is one more in the center of all the attention. That is risk management. Every one of these other components has a risk element. Uncertainty that could affect your project. We could have scope uncertainty, schedule uncertainty, cost quality resources, communication uncertainty. What about procurement uncertainty? What about that vendor going out of business? It's an uncertain event, but it could affect the project. And stakeholder uncertainty. So when you take a look at all of these 10, we call these knowledge areas. And every one of these knowledge areas has processes that belong to one of these process groups. In other words, processes belong to process groups and knowledge areas at the same time. Now, let me show you something that will blow your mind and get you excited if you're the project management geeky sort. This is page 25 of the PMBOK guide. This is where you see the processes in each of those knowledge areas that I showed you in the Pentagon. But just remember, your exam is not entirely focused on this. This is definitely good to know and good to understand, but you got to remember your exam could also be of an agile nature. When we talk about agile, just remember that a huge 71% of organizations report using agile approaches for their projects, sometimes, often, or always. And in that 71% that say they use agile, guess what? 70 plus percent say they use some form of the most popular agile framework yet, Scrum. Scrum is a lightweight, easy to understand model. It contains practices and roles, and it's based on three pillars of transparency, inspection, and adaption. And we're gonna take a look at Scrum very quickly. Scrum, is based on a 353 configuration. Three roles, five ceremonies, and three artifacts. The very first artifact is a product backlog, a list of everything that the customer thinks they want, requests for stuff. The very first ceremony is where we take a look at this backlog and we whittle it down for the sprint. The sprint is the time box in which we are going to work. So think about it like this. You got this product backlog, but you'll carve out a section of the product backlog for the work to be done in the sprint. And the work to be done in the sprint could be anywhere from one week all the way to four weeks. It really depends on your project. And to be quite honest, in the real world, companies differ and vary. It could be anywhere from one to four weeks. Now, the sprint, like I said, is the container where all of the ceremonies are going to be happening. 
It's a very important container at that. So we have a daily scrum ceremony also in that container where we ensure that work is moving towards the done status. We answer three questions here. What did you do yesterday? What are you going to do today? Are there any impediments in your way? And that's why it's a daily scrum. It's every day. In the middle of the sprint, we have an informal ceremony we call backlog refinement. And this is where we prime the backlog. One of the roles in Scrum is a product owner. The product owner is responsible for the product backlog, and they need to ensure that it's prioritized by value, risk, and other factors. Towards the end of the sprint, you're going to get a potentially shippable increment. Now, potentially shippable doesn't mean you have to release it. You could actually have several PSIs, potentially shippable increments, making up one release. So you could choose to release every three, four, five, or more sprints. It doesn't have to be every sprint. When you get your potentially shippable increment, it needs to be reviewed by your stakeholders. We call this the sprint review ceremony. It's not just demoing the product, though. It's also getting intelligence as far as if what you're working on is appropriate and what to work on next. You could also look at this as where you get a lot of feedback, where a lot of collaboration happens too. The final ceremony here is the sprint retrospective ceremony. You can probably tell the blues are all of the artifacts. The oranges, those are all of the ceremonies. The gray, the informal ceremony, and the roles, product owner, scrum master, who is responsible for ensuring the process of Scrum is being followed properly, and the team. And that is the 353 configuration. Now, I know what you're thinking. How am I going to do this? Remember, I said we got you covered. If you're really keen on doing this, go on down to our website right now, praiseon.com, and sign up for our next masterclass. If you're not able to attend a masterclass, you can also attend our on-demand training. We have on-demand training that you can sign up for right away and begin your journey towards PMP exam success. So go on down to praiseon.com. You got any questions, send them to info at praiseon.com. Thanks for joining. Talk to you soon. Bye.